0: Good morning again. Good morning. If you guys want to open up your Bibles, we're going to take a look in Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three. We're going to spend a little bit of time in in, in Second Timothy, and then we're also going to take a quick look at the life of Daniel. Every time, actually, that I read the Second Timothy chapter three passage, actually, automatically I begin to think about Daniel. And so, just want to uh, walk through just a couple of things that God has been working on. Me and, and God has been really kind of uh, pushing me and challenging me in my life and in my everyday walk with Him, and especially in the times in the, uh, that we live in and, and the um, culture that we live in, and, and that kind of stuff. And so, if you'll just follow along with me, I'm going to read all of 2 Timothy chapter 3. So, I ask for just a little bit of grace on the reading part. It says this it says, But understand this this is Paul, he's writing. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. You know, Paul has a great way of always opening up things and encouraging people. You, you see this all over the place. You know, rejoice, brothers, when you suffer. Uh, be glad when you, when you are persecuted. Don't worry. that In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. They'll be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women. They burden with sins and they lead astray by various passions, always learning Never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. But as James and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in the mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was of those two men. You, however, and he begins to change what he's beginning to say, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life, my faith my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and those other, how do you say this? There you go, great. Which persecutions I endured, yet from then all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people... And impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then the very familiar passage of Scripture, 16 and 17. All Scriptures God breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Amen. Amen. Let's pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the, the scripture that you have given us, Lord, that it is God-breathing. It is profitable for us, Lord. I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to it this morning, for what you have for us, Lord, that we would leave here change to be more like you, to be challenged to be changed more like you, Lord, that we would uh, do the things in our life we need to Jesus' mighty name, Amen, Amen. So this, the end of this uh, chapter is is a a very, very uh, well-known set of scripture. How many? Most of you guys know all scriptures. God breathed. How many have always used this when you're talking to um, your children? Yes, right. Use this when you're talking. Hey, listen, kids. I'm going to tell you a few things, but don't worry. All this is profitable for teaching you, rebuking you, and correcting you. How many kids have heard that verse? I've, I've heard it once or twice my life, you don't, hey, you don't have to raise your hands, it's okay, he was he wasn't, I think often we see this verse and, and we apply it to somebody else, and w- when I read this verse, especially, th- this was, was part of my devotions last week, uh, when I read this verse, I just began to be convicted that, um, I don't know if Paul fully intended it that way, When I begin to read it, I I, I begin to think that Paul really intended it for each of us to apply in our own lives. Because he says, in this time, there's going to be difficulties. You're going to have all these people who will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud and arrogant, and all these things that begin to happen. And, and, you know, if if you're paying attention in the world, that's the world we live in now. It's been that way for a while, and it's going to continue that way. He says, but for you, you need to hold fast to the things you saw, the things I taught you, the things that you saw in my life, and hold fast to the sacred writings that you have. And then he says, all scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training and righteousness that the man of God, you and I, may be complete and equipped for every good work. And as I, I think about this and I dwell on it, I begin to wonder how often am I reading the scriptures to let it Rebuke me, or correct me, or change me. How often am, am I reading the scriptures so that I can read the scriptures, so that I can I can mark those off. I can I can say, yep, yeah, I've been in the Word and I'm, I'm spending some time with God, but I'm not letting them do the work in my life. You know, as you read the Bible, you sure we all need teachers in our life. The Bible is very clear that we need people to teach. Even Paul here says that. Follow what I've taught. But I also promise you that the word itself can teach you. If we're willing to let it do its work. And as I said before, every time I read this, I begin to think of Daniel. Daniel is, is one of my most favorite people in all of the Bible. I think he's probably one of the most strongest Christians you will ever going to see. And the stories in Daniel I guess it's part of the other reason I love it, are absolutely mind-boggling to me. Have you ever really taken some time to kind of see the things that Daniel came across in his life? You know, it kind of starts off a little bit mundane. You know, Nebuchadnezzar comes in, and Daniel's taken away, and they're in exile. You know, he, he conquers, and Daniel's in there, and they're fed the finest foods. And Daniel, steadfast in his understanding of who God is and who he is, says no, right? Remember that? They're getting all the wine and the fine foods, and Daniel says, no, I'm going to take the vegetables and the water. I mean, that's what I do every day. Yeah, every day, give me the vegetables and the water. I'm always begging Joanna, can we please just have more vegetables at dinner? But Daniel, in this, knew exactly who God was and exactly who God called him to be and exactly the things God told him to do and to not. And he was steadfast in them. And he said, I'm not going to do this. Test me. And, and if you know um, if you know anything about the story of Daniel, they tested him and they fed him all the things he asked for and none of the other things. And he was healthy and he was whole. And the guys that were with him, all his friends, they were healthy and they're whole, better than everybody else. I fully believe that's not about what he ate but about who he served. It's not because he just ate vegetables and just because he drank water. But it's because he felt he held fast. And when we walk in tune with God, we walk in the things that he tells us to do, he provides for us and he watches over us. You know, then Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that he wanted to interpret. But this guy's a little crazy. He wanted people to tell him what the dream was and then interpret it. Hard enough just to interpret somebody's dream, but he wanted people to tell him the dream that he had and then interpret it. And if they couldn't do it, he's going to kill them all. Super nice guy said he's going to kill all the wise men if nobody could tell him who that was. Some of you in this room would have been really safe, right? I'm sorry. That wasn't was funny. Okay, maybe a little bit. But, but think about the things that Daniel I- encountered in this. That There was a king who said, I have a dream, and, and, and I want you to interpret it, but I need you to tell me the dream and the interpretation. And Daniel began to step into this, and he, and he began to tell the king what the dream was and what the dream was about. And when he did it, he said, this isn't me, but he said, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dreams and visions of your head as you lay in the bed are these, and he began to tell him. You know, Daniel never once took the credit. Daniel never once said, hey, hey uh, I have this gift. This is what I can do. He said, this is the God I serve. This is the God I know. It hears what he can do. Of course, then comes the fiery furnace. But, you know, Daniel actually wasn't part of that. Lucky for him. But then most, maybe one of the most bizarre stories in the entire Bible for me is the time when then Nebuchadnezzar's son is around. You guys remember this story? And all of a sudden there's a hand that appears and begins to write on a wall. Daniel's in this place, and this hand comes out and begins to write on the wall. What happens? What do you think is going on in people's minds when that begins to happen? It says the king here got weak in the knees and he almost fell over. and that kind of, I would have not even stayed in the room. I would have taken off, and, and I would have been out of the country in minutes. But in this place, again, the king wants to know. He said, I, I want to know what this means. I want to know what this means. And he says, now if you can read the writing, this is in chapter 5, if you're kind of following along as I speed through these things. Now if you can read the writing and make it known, it's interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have chains of gold around your neck and you shall be the third ruler in all the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. You know, Daniel had an incredible gift. Maybe one of the most powerful gifts you're going to read about in the Bible. He could interpret the the, the dreams and visions of people that that what God was saying and and he was right on every time. Never missed. Never once took the credit. Here didn't even want the things that were promised. Didn't want the purple robe. Didn't want the gold. Said just give it to somebody else. That's not what I'm here for. But obviously the most famous account of, of Daniel's life is Daniel in the lion's den. And again, who has That this is what they use. You know, this is, that sounds like another movie. But I think now they use like alligators, right? Pits of alligators and they throw people into there. And this is an incredible story about, you know, the faithfulness of Daniel. But, you know, it's not about, for me, when I read this, it's kind of like when I when I preached about the Jesus feeding the 5,000. For me, it, when I read this story, it's never been about the miracle of of Jesus, uh, of God, shutting up the, the lions. It is incredible. And he did it. And it is unbelievable that that's what happened, that he fell in the thing. But for me, it's always been about how Daniel conducted his life. So there was a decree, right? If you worship anybody, they were trying to entrap Daniel. Nobody liked Daniel. Uh, All all the other people, kind of all his peers really hated him. And they wanted to kill him. But they knew that the king wouldn't because he had favor. And so they made a law and they got the king to sign off that if anybody worships Anybody but you, you will go to the lion's den. Chapter 6, verse 10, if you're following along. Chapter 6, verse 10. For me, one of the most powerful statements in all of the Bible says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had the windows in his upper room, upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day. And prayed and gave thanks before his God, just as he always had. Just as he always had might be my most favorite phrase and most impactful phrase in all the Bible. Me. But if you read verse 10, it says, after Daniel had known, he knew the decree was signed. So he knew what the outcome of his actions would be. He knelt down and he prayed. Three times a day, just as he always would, just as he did every single day. And as I read this and as I as I look at Timothy, and we're going to hop back there in just a second. One of the questions I I, I keep asking myself is, what's my everyday? See, I I think Daniel was able to not 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 accept gifts and, and, and be in that place of peace and that assuredness because he knew who he was, because he was with God all the time. He was building that relationship with God all the time. So when when he turned down the food, he knew exactly what he was doing because he knew this is what God wants me to do because I'm with him all the time. And he's speaking to me, he's saying this, and I'm following him. You know, when hard times hit, Daniel didn't have to run and maybe, I, I don't know if you ever feel like this, run and catch up on his Bible reading or catch up on his prayer time or catch up on his worship time because every day he was spending time with the Lord. And I began to think about my day and what are the things in my life that I do every day that would help me stand in this battle that we're in now. And to be honest, after, you know, about 10 minutes of thinking through that, it wasn't exactly as exciting as I thought it might be. That some of my everyday routines don't necessarily draw me closer to the Lord. Don't necessarily tell me more about who he is and tell me more about what I'm called to do. Don't necessarily teach me or correct me or rebuke me or train me up in righteousness so that I may be complete. In fact, some of the things that are in my life, not necessarily bad, might actually be doing the opposite. How many things do I read online that actually might be causing fear? many shows do I watch that just shut my mind off and make my mind unfruitful or let my wa- mind wander into places they shouldn't or cause fear and anxiety, depression, anger, frustration, you name it. And so as I'm, as I'm thinking about Daniel and as I'm reading this passage, I can't help but just be challenged by the Lord. Holy Spirit just prodding me saying all oh, scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching you, for reproofing you, for correcting you, for training you in righteousness that the man of God may be complete in every good work. And so as I as I see this and I see Daniel and I watch his life be just so consistent and so it, at peace. At peace. I, I picture Daniel praying in that upper room Knowing that he's going to the lines, praying very peacefully, saying, "Hey, I'm just doing what I'm always doing." I I, I don't envision him now. Granted, it's not written in the Bible. But I don't envision him just you know up there shaking and terrified and 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 because he had been with God and he was so secure in who he was and so secure in who God was because he had been with him that he was content with all things, content with whatever God might have. You know, in his life, when he was doing that, people came to the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar came to the Lord and bowed down. These guys came to the Lord because of his faithfulness. Not, you know, Daniel wasn't on the street corner. He wasn't, you know, preaching salvation. He wasn't preaching repent. He wasn't preaching turn and burn, turn or burn. He was living his life consistently, day in, day out, doing everything God asked him to do. And when I look at the second Timothy passage, and, and I see the it says the godlessness in the last days is the title of chapter three in, in my Bible. And I see that in our world, and I struggle with it, you know, and, and, and we've talked about this a number of times, and it's probably my biggest, what am I supposed to do? And I feel like the call here by Paul is not necessarily just to stand on the corner and shout out from the rooftops about who God is, but to let the word change us. And as the word changes us, it changes our actions around other people. It changes our peace around other people. It changes our steadfastness and our ability to stand in the middle of sheer godlessness. All scripture is God breathed profitable for teaching me, reproofing me, correcting me, training me in righteousness that I may become the man of God he desired and all scripture is god breathed and profitable for you for teaching you, reproofing you, correcting you, training you in righteousness that you may be the man or the woman that god has created you to be. So the challenge that uh god hey, he gave me this morning as i was i was i was just kind of going over my notes and just kind of you know preparing my heart is uh is this is is to not just speak it, but to do it. You know, it's easy to say that I'm going to dig in the word more. It's easy to say I'm going to be with the Lord more. It's easy to to want to do that. It's easy to know that it's right, but it's a whole different thing, especially in this day and age, to do it. And, And what I very clearly heard this morning is, what happens if I took an entire week and I let nothing else influence my life other than the scriptures? what happens for a week I I, I didn't get on Facebook or I didn't get on Instagram or YouTube or the news or TV or Netflix or Hulu watch sports what if for an entire week the only thing I let influence me was the word of God yeah that's how I felt just like that saying it you know, I want to dig in the Word more, and, and, and I, I want to be closer to God, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend more time. But to actually kind of dig through your life and think about how often are, are we putting other things into our, our mind's eye, into our hearts that aren't profitable for us. They don't help us. They don't teach us. They don't. They don't. Tra- well, that's not true. They do teach you. They do train you, but it, not in righteousness, not in godliness, not to become the man and the woman that God has designed you and created you to be. So this week. I'm going to do my best to shut out everything else but the word of God. And I assume that at the very least, what will begin to happen is peace in my life. More understanding about what's going on around me. That my heart will become softened and my my mind will become changed and I will begin to try and do more of the things that God has called me to do. And so I want to challenge you. Are you willing? Are you willing to set aside everything else in your life and let just the word of God influence you? All those times you might turn on the TV and watch the news that you would pick up your Bible instead or turn on your worship music and worship instead or, or, or kneel before the Lord in your house and pray three times a day. Every time you are thinking about watching Netflix or Hulu, would you be willing to instead read the word? To pray, to worship? And you guys can call me, you can text me, you can ask me, and I'll be honest with you. But I'm wondering what would happen if we began to do this on a more regular basis, if we just let the Lord and the scriptures, the God-breathed scriptures, influence our lives more than everything else. So I challenge you today to let the scripture influence you more than you let the news influence be willing to bet if you looked at your timeline of even just a couple of days, you would find your phone will tell you actually how much time you've been on your phone. That's depressing sometimes when that pops up on Saturday. How much time you're spending on those things versus time with the Lord. So I just want to challenge you and I'm going to pray for us and, and in your heart, I want you, if that's where you are, I want you just to commit to them that I'm going to be with you and I am going to be able to stand knowing what the outcome might be. That's the most incredible thing about Daniel's life. It says he knew the decree was signed, and he knew what was going to happen, yet he still bowed to the Lord. So I'm going to challenge us this morning to do the same in our life, so that we can stand before kings and stand for the Lord, so we can stand before those who are lovers of money and all the deceitfulness that's going on and stand fast. As I pray, I'm just going to ask you to commit your heart to the Lord. Lord, we pray, and we pray for boldness. We pray for courage. We pray for steadfastness in our relationship with you. Lord, that we would build it each and every day. That we'd be willing to let you influence everything that we do. Lord, that we would let you be the biggest, the largest influence in our life. Lord, that your word would be written on our hearts that when we have questions, we would know the answers because we have your word written on our hearts. That we wouldn't wonder what's right and wrong, but we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt what is right and wrong because it is written on our hearts. Lord, we let the scripture that you've breathed, Lord, that we would let it train us, we would let it correct us, we would let it get us ready for the things you've called us to do. Lord, I pray for steadfastness in this, Lord, for boldness to Together in it, that we encourage you one another in it. In Jesus' mighty name.